Welcome to the Motherhood Anthology Podcast, photography education for a business you love. My name is Kim Box and I'm your host with the collaboration and help of my co-hosts and business partners at the Motherhood Anthology, Jenny Kruger and Allison Craig. I'm thrilled to welcome you all to part one of this three-part series in our Blueprint Workshop. This is a little different than what you're used to hearing if you're a regular listener on our podcast. Today begins a live virtual workshop we're calling Blueprint, where we tackle the big three, branding, marketing, and pricing. Over the next three days, we'll be tackling one of those pillars per day and providing you with a guide to go along with these podcast recordings. So if you've not signed up for this workshop and you're listening in real time, you can still join us. Head over to themotherhoodanthology.com, click sign me up at the bottom of our homepage next to the word you see, Blueprint. On today's episode, Jenny, Allison, and myself are sharing our stories and how we got started in photography, how we define motherhood photography, and how you can solidify your branding as the first pillar to establishing a successful, thriving, and enjoyable photography business. We are discussing everything from the obvious branding choices like visual branding with your logo and social media, to how even your communication and workflows communicate your brand. This is one packed with great information, so grab a pen or open your notes app and let's dive in. So now I present to you episode number 54 and part one of Blueprint on the Motherhood Anthology podcast. It's been seven years this month since we started the Motherhood Anthology and four years since we started the monthly membership. So we are so glad that you're here for this like little mini course. I'm looking at the chat and a lot of you in here right now have been in business a really long time. There's a like long a time. really new people, but that's exciting because like that means that you have already probably tried a bunch of things and mm-hmm. some have worked, some have not, something's not working right now. So we're excited to see what's going on and see if anything we have to give you can help with that. Mm-hmm. We started the motherhood anthology because we really felt like there wasn't a business minded and in our style minded kind of community. And so we wanted to create that for people. And we knew that if we could come from different backgrounds, like Kim starting with weddings, Allison starting very, very cheap, me starting on the higher end, but terrible. We thought we could combine all of that. And pretty much everybody who we have taught has been in one of our shoes before. So we kind of combined all of our failures and backgrounds to start with and to try to share like where we're at now. So yeah, we've been going over your questions that you've been pre-putting in the group. And it seems like there are a lot of, a lot of people struggling with doing weddings and wanting to get away with that and not know how, or not know how to elevate their brand. So we're excited to kick it off with branding today because that's kind of where it all starts. And then everything else kind of falls in there. Hey, Jenny and Allison, let's start by you guys defining motherhood photography. What what exactly is that for people that might not know what we're talking about? For me, it is just really putting the spotlight and the focus on the mother because so often she is overlooked in every aspect of, you know, they call it motherhood, but like, I feel like as soon as a mom has a baby, it's all the focus is on the baby. And so we sort of like shift that focus back to the mom and, you know, just making sure that she feels seen right in her portraits, which means for me offering the hair and makeup services, offering beautiful gowns to help her feel her best, being able to like ask, ask those questions and shift her into positions that just 
creates these authentic images that showcases her as a mother. Yep. And so I think it's still a lot of family stuff, maternity, newborn, babies, families with the whole family. But like Allison said, really putting that experience and specialness on mom and making sure that, you know, she's just as much the star as baby and kids. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today, right? How we do that? How we starting with your brand? Mm -hmm. Yes. I'll start off with saying like a lot of people when they hear branding, they think of just like your logo which is part of branding, but that's a very, very tiny part and a very, very tiny part of just visual branding. So when we talk about your brand, we are talking about everything that your business does, says, shows that kind of can attract your ideal client and shows them what and why you do what you do. So we talk a lot about finding your why and the reason behind, for example, for what I do, the reason behind motherhood. And there's always a deeper reason versus just, I like taking these kind of pictures or this pays well. (laughs) There has to be something deeper to really flesh out your brand and make it unique to yourself. So a few ways that we talk about doing that are things like only showing what you want to photograph. So like if you're doing something else right now and you're kind of in this place where you're thinking, I want to do this, I'm doing this. How do I get from there to there? And while there are a lot of things in between that you do need to do, one of the ways that you can start really simply is just only showing what you want to photograph. So I want to, I want to interject there really quick. When I made the shift from being just all over the place to more, more focused on this, only showing what I wanted to photograph meant deleting every Facebook post that I had ever made. I don't even think Instagram was like a thing that dated myself and erasing blogs and totally revamping the website and essentially like starting from scratch because you will be amazed how if you share what is truly you as an artist, those people that want that as well will find you there. You know, everyone says like, well, I don't know how to I don't know how to do all of these sessions with this certain color palette because I get keep getting requests for bright orange polos. But then if you keep sharing those sneak peeks, that's why. So it's amazing how quickly your brand can change by just showing what you want to photograph in the future, what makes your heart sing. Mm-hmm. And so then you attract the people that see that and they're like, oh, I want that. I'll do that. I'll follow those directions. And it's actually so much easier than people think it is. So how does that work, Allison? If you if you need to just start from scratch, how do you create that portfolio of new work? I mean, for me, that was walking up to this beautiful mom in Target and saying, hey, can I take your pictures? Jenny Kruger would never do that, but. Yeah. <laughs> That's an Allison but, thing. I don't do that. I can tell you other ways to do it. <laughs> but I'm very, I'm an outgoing person. And so. If I see some, if I see a place that I need to photograph or that where I want to photograph in the future, or I know what I want to do, that meant making it happen. Right. So I, I mean, I had been in business for a couple of years at that point and I erased everything and started new and side note, like even right now, we just, when was it a week ago, deleted 320 blog posts from my website because it was diluting what 
I wanted my clients to see. And so not only is that going to be better for my brand, but also for SEO, right? Because you're not competing with stuff. So I, I'm the jump in head first type of person when it comes to making that shift. So another thing with branding is find consistency. And by doing that, you can find consistency with various parts of your work. So maybe that's shooting in the same locations, the same lighting, the same colors and tones in your images. Maybe you like 20 different locations, but you're going to make sure that they're all shot with the exact same lens, the same colors. Maybe you're really specific on color and you only shoot these three colors, but all different places. You can find consistency in different ways. And those are kind of like our big, big things to look at when you're trying to find consistency. I think a lot of people, and Allison, you'd probably agree with this. A lot of people are just struggling to not even understand how to get consistent or start being consistent. And if you strip down from your images, those kinds of pieces, and then re keep repeating the things that you do like, for example, if it's this set location, Okay, do all of your outdoor sessions in that location, um, at least for a while. And yeah. that will give you some consistency. Um, Jenny so yeah. and Allison, don't you guys, you sh either shoot in your studio or you have a specific field that you shoot in. So it's yes. one of those two locations. Um, yes. And that yeah. that really, and that combined with wardrobe really is, I think, a, a huge key to consistency, right? Well, for, for what we say all the time is location, time of, time of day and clothing. For me, if I were to change any one of those things, it could potentially look like an entire different photographer did the session because, and I actually have like a really old blog post on that where I showed my kids in bright orange polo shirts in my, in my field at sunset. And then I had them change clothes and within five minutes did, did more pictures and the pictures look totally different because there was that disconnect in just the clothing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not so much telling clients, I only allow this or this is only okay. It's not that other things aren't okay. It's just, if you want to have a very specific and consistent style and brand, then you have to start controlling some of those things. So we and would never tell somebody like, hey, you can't, you can't shoot colorful images anymore. Yeah. Um, but if you're shooting just everything and wondering why like nothing looks consistent and you're not getting consistent clients that want what you do, then you start looking at those things and kind of narrowing it down. And I think also one thing that really helped me like before I made that switch was I would go home from like sessions and I would think like, I am a fraud. This is horrible. I cannot believe this. But then there were other sessions where I would go home and I'm like, this was incredible. I loved this. And so sitting down and actually looking at those sessions that you absolutely loved and finding the similarities between them is super helpful in defining your own brand. So, you know, you may really love colors in your portraits, but then you might look at your sessions and realize that they're muted colors, right? That it's even a muted orange and a muted red and things that are toned down. But yeah, looking at the, the sessions that don't make your heart sing, and then looking at the ones that you really love and figuring out what is similar really helps in starting to define your brand and who you are. How many of you guys offer wardrobe? Because I think that's like 
when I when I see that consistency in someone's brand, I I think that wardrobe is like seventy five percent of it. Yeah. I agree, and I found that a lot of photographers that we work with or follow don't that don't offer wardrobe and still offer some guidance. Sometimes there's a rough spot of like. And you guys might feel this if you are just giving them guidance, you're sending them style guides or links or saying, wear this, wear this, wear this, don't wear this. And yet they're still showing up in like, whatever. (laughs) It's like they didn't even read what you sent them. And I think combining that with only showing what you want to shoot. So for example, there's a lot of photographers, like I said, that we work with and that we follow that don't have a wardrobe at all, but their entire portfolio, their entire website, their entire Instagram feed is all the correct wardrobe that that photographer wants their client to wear. So even without having wardrobe and giving them guidance, the client sees, you know, it's kind of like putting it all together and they're like, okay, I don't see you posting any orange polos or Mm -hmm. jeans and white polos on your page. So even though I don't really understand what you're saying, I can visually see it right here. And so I know what to wear and what to show up in. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and like going on to number three on this cohesive visual branding, y'all have to remember that a lot of times clients, they don't, they can't really put their finger on what they love about you, your brand, but it's everything. Like they don't even realize that it's down to the fonts that you consistently use when you post stories. It's the colors that you, it's the same colors over and over again all the time. They may say like, I just love the the pictures, but it's so much more than, than that, that they really love that plays a role in why they come to you. And so going back to only showing what you want to photograph again, you know, if you, if you are consistently doing that, even though you're not consistently getting your ideal clients, you eventually will get there to where they are all wanting that guidance and help because they, you're able to say, if you, you're hiring me for this and this is how I give it to you. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about this more when we talk about pricing and products, but I have always felt too, that I feel confident to charge more, um, when I feel confident in my brand. So because I can say to a client and show to a client, Hey, I do this. This is what I'm good at. This is what I specialize in. I have no problem charging the prices that I do, where I think a lot of people kind of are struggling with one. And so that spills over into struggling with the other and feeling that imposter syndrome or like a fraud, like you said, of you're not really giving them anything unique and different and really specific. And so you don't feel like you can charge a premium for that. So we'll get into that later, but it's all important. It all goes together. (laughs) And I think too, that when you, when a brand is successful, it's, it's usually because it's a, it's a genuine representation of kind of who you are. And I, I know Jenny, I, when I found you online years ago, it was because I, um, I think on Pinterest found images of your studio and it was just so mm-hmm. beautiful. And you could see your work represented in your studio and in your furnishings and in your decoration. And I think about my studio and I think I dress the way, like I love solids. I love soft colors. Like I think it's just a part of who you are. So Jenny and Allison, I would love for both of you, like if, if someone asked you, Jenny, describe your brand to me, how would you, how would you describe your brand specifically? 
which, and that's probably one of the hardest questions because again, there's so much to it that, you know, from what angle are we describing? But for me and my clients, it's all about simplicity and higher end that service of giving, of taking care of everything for them. But without that stuffy over formal, not not too high end, then it's unapproachable, but just like that luxury item that the client feels like they're getting a lot of value for what they're paying, even though they're paying a lot. I think that makes a huge difference. And I think if you don't know Jenny, she's a little bit, I don't know, shy, like a little bit. (laughs) Would you say shy? Would you say introverted? A little bit of an introverted. Yeah. Like that, I would say that's the biggest difference between Allison and me and like our brand in general. And you can kind of see that in like how we Mm -hmm. showcase our brands, Mm -hmm. but with clients, I can really turn it on, but I also am not the crazy photographer, like jumping around. Well, I can't do that anymore anyway, but you know, I'm just, I've never been that photographer. And I think it's just that calming. Everything's okay. Like everything's calm. Everything's chill translate and translates into my brand and my work. And like during their session too, clients will say that they just feel like everything was so easy. And like, that is a huge compliment for me. Yeah. I always say laid back luxury. Like I want moms just to feel, feel so pampered and so loved and so seen, but at the same time, not feeling like they don't belong there because I've said this before, but I remember going to like a really fancy dinner where, where there was like multiple forks and knives and all of this. And I have never been like, I've never been to something like that. And I felt so out of place. I was supposed to enjoy this fantastic dinner, but I was so consumed with making sure that I fit in that I couldn't do it. And so I don't want, like, I always think about that with my, my brand and my business. I want them to feel like Yes, they are wearing a $400 dress. Yes, they got their hair and makeup done. Yes, there's custom, you know, artwork waiting for them, but we're gonna have so much fun doing it. And it's like laid back and relaxed and they don't feel like they're having to be posed and prim and proper. It's authentic. So that's, that's me. And yes, like Jenny, Jenny showcases her brand differently. I will hundred percent put a rap song to a story and post it. She would never, ever, ever, but then, but then you can look at our, our, um, like honestly, like what we charge and it's the same. So it's like, you can totally do, you can be yourself and it attracts people that are, that are the same. I'm sure Jenny's clients are different from mine in that they are a little bit more like her and mine are a little bit more like me. Mm -hmm. And I'll say too, the easiest business to build and the easiest brand to build is one that is not only authentic, but easy for you. I'm not trying to do anything in my business that feels like it's going so, so against the grain of just like who I am and what I'm comfortable with. That would be miserable. And it would show that I'm not being authentic. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, really putting yourself into your brand, not making it all about you and personal and personal to you, to your clients on the front end, but putting yourself and how you are most comfortable operating into your brand is going to get you way further than trying to be what this person is or this person is. I like easy and I like simple. So like, I'm not trying to make it harder on myself. (laughs) I'm trying to make it as easy as possible to work with my clients and do what I do and be done working for the day or whatever it is, you know? Um, Yeah. I got a question, a couple of questions here. Well, let me start with Michelle's question. She says, Jenny, I'm curious if you, 
if you always communicate by phone. I'm so introverted and I feel like it's something that's holding me back. And then same here, phone calls are hard. Yes, uh, phone calls. So talk about that. So I will, I will answer this by starting to say that my husband for 22 years of being together has always said to me, you would starve to death before you would order takeout. And that's 100% true. I've literally never ordered takeout. I will not do it. When they started phone app ordering, I was like, oh my God, I can get my own food. This is great. I hate the phone. I don't call clients on the phone. I don't require clients to call me on the phone. If a client asks to chat on the phone, I'm totally fine with that. I'm not going to be like, no, but I'm terrible at it. <laughs> and, and that's the thing is like, I know that it's not my strong suit and I don't care to put my energy into getting better at it. You totally could. If it's not your strong suit and you're like, but I know that I want to, and I know that I want to make this part of my brand and my business, you totally can learn to be better at that. I just don't want to, if I'm being honest and I don't need to, I think if my business were in a place where I was, something wasn't working and I thought, okay, I'm going to try this then for sure. I book all of my clients pretty much over email. In fact, usually the only red flag or trouble clients are the ones who have emailed and been like, Hey, I have some questions. Can we talk on the phone? And it's like a disaster. And they're never an ideal client. So it's interesting to me that the non-phone call clients, which are most of them, are much better clients, much easier process. I know a lot of higher-end photographers, um, product photographers, things like that, want to get clients on the phone or require it. And that's just not me. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I can't see myself ever doing it. I can't I either because as a potential client, I would, if someone said like, when do you want to schedule your phone call with me? I would be like, next. I don't want, even me being an extroverted person, I have zero desire to take time out of my already busy day to be on the phone with someone. If I, they could just send me an email and I can read it at my convenience. So that's why I will never, it will never be a part of my brand. I have a question if y'all don't care. So yeah. in regards to phone calls, um, I was told by a higher end photographer friend of mine that that's the way to do it. Like I have to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm literally awful at it. Just like what you were saying. It is, it, it, it's awful. It's bad. However, I joined Musea, the lab and Michael like called me personally. And I just thought that was like the coolest thing. I thought it was very professional and it's, it made them stand out. So in regards to that, how can you avoid the phone call? <laughs> but still kind of have that, that, you know, that effect. Do you, does that make sense yeah. at all? So for me, and I was going to bring this book up anyways, but this is a perfect example. The Purple Cow is a great book to read. And it's basically that stood out to you. And that like really felt amazing to you because it was different. Like no other lab is going to do that or give you a call. Like that's just not, it's not the norm for a photography lab, right? right? So it wasn't necessarily that it was about the phone call, but it was that, wow, this is really different than what all the other labs are doing. So if you look at it from that perspective, if all the other high-end photographers are requiring a phone call, and if you did require a phone call, that wouldn't be standing out as something different. So for me, like I've always, once I read that book years and years ago, I've always been like, okay, 
what is everybody else doing in my area? How can I do literally the opposite of that? (laughs) And that has been a big basis for a lot of my business and for a lot of like the things that I do and have done in my business. It's okay. If people are doing this, if people are all inclusive with their pricing, I want to do the exact opposite of that and things like that. So I don't, well, the phone call was probably nice. And I've actually talked to Michael a lot on the phone myself, much to my trying to not, um, because <laughs> we live really close to each other and he's a friend of mine, but I always, he's like, let me give you a call. I'm like, can we not? But okay. <laughs> so I've been there <laughs> and it is like, he's great on the phone and he actually for an introverted person himself, I find that interesting, but I think that stood out to you mainly because it was just, you weren't expecting it and it was so different. And so not the same as what other labs do. I have a question too. Yeah. So you guys don't offer any kind of consultation before the sessions. It's just they book and you guys just meet at the location or at the studio. No. So I do a, and Jenny does too, a questionnaire where they like, after they've signed their contract and paid their creative fee, then they fill out a questionnaire where we've asked them a lot of questions to get to know them and their family. And then I I'll hop on a call with them. And of course, if they have questions about pricing information or whatever, you my, my studio manager will get on the phone with them to answer that. It's the difference is, is that we don't require that. There are some, a lot of photographers that re, will require a phone call before booking. Um, and yeah. And I just don't, I don't do that. They are more than welcome to just schedule via Gmail. They can respond it midnight and I can get to it the next morning at their, at their convenience. And they don't have to have a welcome, like a questionnaire call if they don't want to, if they just want to fill out their questionnaire and just have me read it, that's totally fine too. Um, I, I always have liked giving them that choice versus making it a requirement because I don't ever want to be an inconvenience to them. I want it to all be a good thing. (laughs) Two things I I think that's a testament to your branding. I think that your everything they see is so consistent. They know what they're signing up for. And you do a great job on your website of answering all the questions. And so it's not that there are a lot of questions to ask because it's obvious. You know, yeah. I think as your branding gets stronger, there's less need for um, that phone call. And that not, and someone said, let's see, Paige said, that's so interesting because I've never had anyone have an issue with getting on the phone. It's a way to get personal. I leave the call with a new friend every time. I don't think the call is good or bad. I think as long as you're doing what's genuine and feels good to you, and that phone call either comes across as like, oh, she's so sincere or for Jenny, it might, it might not that it would be awkward, but it might not. Oh, no, be it's as, definitely awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to do whatever feels good to you, whatever is genuine, you know, for you and your brand. And that could be a call that could not be a call. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ashley mentioned that Michael wowed her with the phone call. And she, I think her question was how, what are other ways that you could do that? You guys, Jenny and Allison, you guys send welcome boxes, right? After someone books. So maybe explain that a little bit. We do. So one of and the they don't know things, they're getting those either, right? That's a, a happy. I think I do tell them in the initial yeah. uh, inquiry email that I do like to like, they're going to get something in the mail after booking. But for me, it started actually, it originally started because I 
like I was saying earlier, like I saw that everyone else around me was doing like all inclusive pricing. And I was like, I don't want to do that. So I was started out always with like a session fee, creative fee now is what I call it. Some kind of like retainer to book their session that didn't include um, any digital files or any products. But what I found was I would work so hard, email so much, talk with them so much to get them to book their session. They would send me all of this money, which was anywhere from, I think $300 to now almost $500 in that creative fee, like somewhere in there. And if their session wasn't for six months or a year or something like that, I would be like so nurturing to them to book them, take their money and it would be quiet. And I just didn't like the feeling of that. And so I liked the idea of taking their money. And then within a few weeks of that, they get something in the mail for me that was like tangible. And it also worked in a way where, okay, I want to show you from the very beginning that we do tangible things here. So you can get your files, but I want you to buy products. I want to show you what the tangible things look like with me. And just also, again, back to the purple cow and being different. Nobody else was doing that. And so if I could just do one more thing that was different, it would make me stand out from the hundreds of other photographers in my city, like all of you, I was going to do it. And so it was really important to me to not just take their money and ghost them until it came time for their session. And I would say, um, it's really funny because obviously moms are usually my point of contact and my main client that I'm working with and advertising to and things like that. But I've had more dads say something about my welcome boxes than like anybody else. They'll show up to the session. And even if they're not like that dad, that's like, yay, I'm here for my photos. They will still say that was really impressive. Like you, you did that on your own. Do you do those either? Cause they're in business or they're in marketing. So they understand that thing. And it's just a nice kind of like surprise to show your client that number one, you're different you appreciate them. You didn't just take their money and like, you know, see you at the session in six months kind of thing. And so so that is a huge part. So Jenny, Megan wants to know, what do you include in your welcome box? Yeah, let's, let's go over that. And then I want to, I can see these questions. I'm going to hop up to like a couple more too, because we've missed a couple and I don't want to leave people out. So Megan, the main thing that I've always included in my welcome boxes are like product pricing guides. So printed catalog. It's been in combination with kind of planning and wardrobe info and then separate too. So I've done it both ways, but essentially some kind of printed guide that goes over all of your product options and pricing. So they get that again, they got it upon inquiry, but I want them to have like tangible catalog of it. So it's harder for them to be like, I didn't understand pricing, blah, 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 things like that. But also it's just again, different, like what Michael did for Ashley. They're not expecting that from booking a family session. So there's that always, always a handwritten thank you note, a couple of business cards, which those are the only things I use those for that could probably go without usually like a small gift or two. Right now I've got little lavender, like lavender soap that I just packaged in here. That goes in there. Usually if it's a newborn session, I'll do like a little teether or rattle or something like that. I've got little wooden cameras that I'll do for like an older sibling. What else is in there? That's pretty much it. And it's tied together really pretty. It's not a lot at all. It's pretty simple. And then those get mailed right to them. 
How about you, Allison? What's in your box? So it changes, but I've done muted nail polish because I feel like that's like a point, a pain point for my clients is, you know, I say in the session details reminder, make sure no chipped nails and this and that. But then I was getting questions of like, well, what color should I paint them? So I just send it, send it instead. Um, So I've done nail polish. I've done some good smelling soap. I've done candles. I do. I really like the little sugar sticks on like, I don't know if you guys sugar sticks that go with tea. So I'll do like tea and and a sugar stick. What else have I done? I think that's, well, those are the main ones. And I don't do like a big, like Jenny does like a bigger product thing. I do like a trifold. Um, You're going to see my sweatpants. Just live with it. (laughs) (laughs) So I do a trifold that shows wall. It shows wall art. It it reminds them the studio wardrobe and the sizes that we, we carry. It gives them phone numbers for hair and makeup and florals and all of that. Basically like everything. Oh, and then the, then it does on part of the trifold have a checklist for the day of, because moms are always like, what do I, what am I forgetting? So they can just rip it off and they can have a little checklist for the day of their session. So trying to just anticipate their needs and serve them so that they're just showing up and feeling so loved. That's really what I try to do with that. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to do anything super expensive. You don't have to do anything super big. It's just the gesture of pretty much just doing it. Thank you card. Um, trifold, like Allison was saying, uh, tips, prep, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just reminding them like wardrobe sizing on the back of mine. I have what happens next after their session. So there's no questions about that. This is my like product catalog. And so it's just like, has pictures in there. And then hold on, I'm trying to open the actual page. So then it's going to show them like all of the frame options, all of the pricing for sizes, things like that, which again, they get all of this before they book. So I'm not springing this on them after they book. They have it before then also, but just a tangible catalog of it. Oh, when I started doing these, it's like a cute little template of like, you put baby's first picture here and then you can write on the back, things like that, all those cute little things. So, and it's unbranded. So they can just put that in like baby book, baby box, things like that. Where do you get Um, your things like that printed, Jenny? So I use Pro DPI. I really like their, what's it called? The Enhanced Felt, which is like a cottony textured paper. That name, I can never remember it because it doesn't, match what it actually is in my opinion but it's the enhanced felt from pro dpi and their press products yes go ahead um okay okay uh consistency about locations erica asked can you create a consistent brand with a natural light studio that's what allison and i both do yeah we i shoot mostly in my studio in the fall a little more outside but year round like mostly in the studio and so it's a natural light studio I think we did a good job at that. So I would say yes. Yeah. Yes, we can. I think that making a consistent brand in your natural light studio, I think maybe the question has to do with the lighting and stuff, but we, mm. I, Jenny too, we are very specific about the window of time that we schedule sessions in our studio because we only want the good light. So that's just something that we have explained to people. Like for me, 
we usually will do sessions at nine and noon and that allows us to be done in time where like this light gets flat and yuck and so if someone inquires about like hey i want a three o'clock session in the studio no the answer is no i can't create the artwork that you have seen on my website at a 3 p.m studio session and you just tell them why and they've always been fine with it yeah agreed Trying to create consistency with wardrobe, just beginning, what, how many pieces would you start with? Um, that is a really good question. When we've gotten a lot, we actually made a piece of content on like a capsule wardrobe and kind of getting that okay. started for if you're just starting a wardrobe to kind of go over like our basic must have kind of pieces. I think Allison, you would say that when you started your wardrobe, tell them how you bought a bunch of pieces, but then yeah, so. I was focusing on quantity over quality initially because I just really wanted to put them in, you know, pretty things. Looking back, I would absolutely not do that. I feel like it's a huge waste of money. It's a lot better to just plan out your investments and buy pieces that are going to be used and loved by clients for a very long time. So that's my recommendations would be to figure out, you know, even if it's like five pieces, right? If it's all, if it's five dresses for mom, five dresses that are incredibly beautiful, you know, two are florals, one's a solid, one's a little bit more fancy and you have that, then you can say like, okay, which one are you wanting to wear? And then we're going to, to still style your family around and you can still send them links for their kids, links for their husband's like pants and shirt and do all of it. And then just sort of expand. So as you can afford more than buy more, but I would absolutely recommend buying quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. And one way, oh, I was just going to um, say one way to do it when you're starting out and you're like, I see these people with these big wardrobes like Allison and I have, and like you want to have a wardrobe, but you also are trying to get paid and need clients. That's a lot to handle at one time. My wardrobe started kind of by accident. Like I didn't go into it thinking I'm going to have a 200 dress wardrobe. Yeah. (laughs) So it wasn't as overwhelming at the beginning, but I can see how that absolutely can be. And so what I would recommend is make your session fee high enough that you could buy something for every session that you book. So you book a session, figure out what size mom is, what she kind of likes color-wise, things like that. Buy something for her for that session that stays in your wardrobe. And that way you're not really paying out of pocket. Perfect. Paying out of pocket for that. And you're only buying things like when you are getting clients. At the same time, if you do have some money to invest, I don't think it hurts to buy some really key quality items. Yeah. So two questions. One, how do you handle sizing? And the other is, do you have folks come in early to look at wardrobe before their session? I used to do that mainly because I was, it wasn't as big and I wanted to make sure that we had the right things. And I also used to just be in my studio a lot more. I would say the past two and a half years really kind of changed how I do a lot of my business. But I was also finding that I had so many things that it just wasn't necessary to have my clients come in at a separate time. Like we could just spend 15 to 30 minutes before every session trying on clothes. And there was always plenty of things. I'm not ever worried about not having the right size or style or things like that, especially if they have been following me and like what they see on my website and Instagram. Like you kind of know what's there. And if you like that, you're going to be able to find something. 
And I do have inclusive sizing. So up through size 26 or even higher, I can close. So again, not worried about it. When you're just starting out on building this wardrobe, for me, I would, I would focus on buying like larges, maybe some mediums in there because you can always pin things or you can leave things open, like zippers open in the back. There are so many sessions that I've photographed where the zipper on a dress is completely open and we've pinned it to the bra strap. So totally. I think that, you know, from the, from an outsider's view, they see these pictures that we share and they and every dress fits every person. And you're going, how did you do that? But we don't have the same dress in every single size. We just are very particular about the dresses that we buy. Um, I, it's very rare that I will buy a dress that has no give from the bust down. Um, most of them are going to have some sort of give, whether the give is a zipper in the back or just it's stretchy material. Um that's mostly what we buy. And only after I got my wardrobe, like pretty much set for the, you know, mediums, larges, that kind of thing, extra large, did I go and buy pieces specific for those like double zero mamas or pieces specific for moms that are like size 24 or 26? Because sometimes it just like a mom that's a double zero, if she's in a large dress, it doesn't work. So I focused on the, the, you know, middle first and then bought the outliers once I could. Do you, have a, do you have a couple of brands that you would recommend for someone that's just starting to build a wardrobe? Um, Beholden is a great one. Uh, Needle and Thread is a great one. Um, Doen. Yeah, Doen is beautiful. Um, wow. and then you have like Morning Lavender and like little, you know, sites like that that will have good ones, you know, every now and then. Someone asked about going back to Studio Natural Light and no flash at all. So what about cloudy days? We crank up the ISO mm -hmm. and my studio is like an all white studio. So you, I mean, it could be like dark gray clouds thundering outside. And I think in all my years of having a studio, I've canceled it like one time. Uh, other than that, because it's so it's white, you can really get away with just cranking up the ISO and what little light is coming in. It works, but no flash. I don't even know how to use one. <laughs> Megan asked if everyone comes in to browse the client closet or have an online album. I know some photographers in TMA that do keep track of their online stuff. I'm a ridiculous shopper. And so there is no way I can keep that updated. <laughs> So mine is just all there. I tell clients if they want to screenshot any images before their session and bring those in or even just save them on Instagram, I'm happy to scroll through that with them and pull those things. But like, there's not a way for them to go in and pick things. And also I would say for me, sometimes what they see online is not what they gravitate towards in person. And usually a client will look through and I'll pull a couple of things for them. And it's all, almost always the first thing I pull for them that they end up choosing. Mm -hmm. So I just haven't seen the need to do that. Yeah. Agreed. So Vernie's asking about how to make the transition from wedding photographer to motherhood photography in a natural and seamless way, which I think also ties into how do I brand for two different niches? I can't figure out how to brand and market for two completely different areas, one weddings, two motherhood. And I can speak a little bit to that since I did so many weddings. And 
I think it's a really, that, that transition is pretty easy because usually your wedding couples are going to become parents pretty mm-hmm. soon. And so I think through email, you can market to them. I don't know if I have a good answer to this, Jenny and Allison. And I think it's, it's the question that never quite gets answered for me, but when you, when you do, when you are transitioning or if you are wedding and motherhood, do you guys think that's one brand or two separate brands? Is that one Instagram feed or two Instagram? So Um, I used to say two, but I think, I think with so much competition on Instagram and just like how hard it is to keep up social media and get seen on social media. I think the fewer you can have actually the better. And like you were saying, like if let's say you were a brand new photographer, only started with portraits, wanting to just do that. You don't have any past clients to pull from, right? But as a wedding photographer, you have this giant email list of past clients who are now possibly your ideal clients for portraits and motherhood. Like you said, Kim, they're about to become parents soon, most likely in the next few years. And so I would be hesitant to completely, completely split it. And I think there's a lot of photographers that can really show consistency in their work, whether it's a wedding picture or a family or newborn or something. And so just, I think that's one, one reason that taking all the other puzzle pieces like location, colors, editing, lighting, all of that stuff. If you're going to photograph multiple different things like weddings and families and babies, then at least keep all of the other stuff really consistent so that it still looks consistent and like it's coming from your same brand. Well, I I was just going to say, we have two different um, feeds, but like we cross over. So um, on the grid, it's all wedding or all motherhood, but then in the stories, a lot of times we'll share different things. I think too, it depends on, are you wanting to transition out of weddings or are you wanting to keep weddings going? Because if your answer is you're, you're burnout, you're tired, you don't want to do that anymore. You want to focus on, you know, maternity, newborn, baby, family, then I would, I would not, not continue to post weddings. I mean, do what you need to do to be able to like transition financially, but you're wanting to get out of it completely. I I would transition your feed over to just showing what you want to photograph in the future because, you know, that's, you want, you want to, that to reflect what your brand is going to be. Yep. And you've got all those followers already that are like already following you and interested. So don't start over. And I, I, this is really, this is funny, but this will help you is I can always tell when somebody just found out they were pregnant because I will get a new follower that has their wedding picture as their profile yes. picture or wedding pictures <laughs> posted if it's public in the past, like within the past year. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that person just found out they were pregnant and I get an inquiry within the next month or two from them. Mm-hmm. And so like, if you are that photographer that already has those people as your followers, like utilize that, like really speak to them because those people are getting pregnant and looking for newborn maternity photographers, hands down. How do you brand yourself in a way that attracts clients that want more than just digitals? That's a good one. That's honest. I saw that question (laughs) and I was like, oh, that's really hard. 
this is going to sound really like kind of like a cop out, but I think it all comes down to, again, being authentic, being simple and making it easy. I know, so I used to do in-person sales. I don't anymore. We'll talk more about that. But I know like a lot of the in-person sales and just product sales and all of that stuff is very um, like high pressure. And for me, like that just never felt great, like for my personality, for my brand. Don't get me wrong. I want to sell you a bunch of stuff. I want you to spend a lot of money, but like, I never want to feel like I pressured a client into doing that. And so for me, selling those products and making that a part of my brand comes way before the sales option, which is whether it's in person or online or however you're selling. And it just comes like how you speak about your products, how you speak about your work, what you're showing on your website, on your Instagram, social media, like all of that, what you're telling clients up front, even down to like, and this is great to like segue into pricing, but like your pricing structure, like your pricing structure and your prices for things support your brand and like what you're trying to have your client walk away with. So for me, when I made my pricing, I knew that I did want clients to have digitals. I don't dislike selling digitals. I don't not want clients to have those. I'm happy to do that. But I made my pricing in a way that really rewards them with digitals when they buy product. And so that was huge for me for so many years. And again, it was different than what everyone else was doing. So it's paid off in those ways. And like, I just never want a client to come to me and feel like they spent more than they wanted to and are upset about it. Like I'm sure clients come to me thinking they're going to spend less, but they spend more, but they're fine with it. That's okay. Mm -hmm. But I don't want a client to be resentful or feel like I tricked them into spending more or pressured them into buying things they don't want. And so it's like a fine balance between really showcasing that and then also backing off and saying like, you can buy whatever you want. Uh, and let's wrap up with this question and we'll get in the group today and answer the ones that we weren't able to get to, but yeah, I think this is a good place to end. So she's Kelly says, I want to learn how to build a brand and market to my ideal motherhood clients rather than the clients I have now. I'm wondering how to brand myself as a luxury photographer when I don't have those clients yet. Can you take that or do you want to take it? <laughs> so, okay. So how to brand yourself as a luxury photographer when you don't have luxury clients yet. I think that that for, for me just goes back to providing that luxury experience to some people that are going to help build your portfolio and then sing your praises there. I was very cheap when I first started, like very, very cheap. So there is a difference in the clientele when you're charging $300 and when you're charging $3,000 and in order for me to get to the point that I'm at now where I'm charging $3,000 for digital files, I had to get into that little like circle, right? Like you have to, you have yep. to get your name out and let them, let people know and sing your praises about it being a luxury experience. And so that's what I did. I mean, I, I got a couple pieces of of clothing for my wardrobe and I styled people and I took them out to my field at the time or my studio back then, you know, influencers were a lot different. And so I did work with a couple of them that really helped build my business. That's not the case. Now I would 
probably advise against that because it, the whole culture has shifted a lot. But yeah, I mean, I would, I would find somebody like, I mean, technically a micro influencer, right? Like a mom that, you know, that ha- has a lot of friends that are also in the same, like, place of motherhood, where if you wow her and make her feel incredible, she's going to sing your praises to everybody else and then do that. That's what I would do. And I was going to say too, again, your pricing alone, the numbers that you attach to your creative fee, to your files, to your products says something luxury already. So if you you're not going to become a luxury photographer by charging $500, $1,000 for everything all in. That's just not going to um, translate into that type of client. And so your pricing alone can speak to that. And then also I, people feel like I often see people type things like I'm the most expensive in my area or everyone else is so much cheaper. And like, for me, that's great. I want to be the most expensive. I want people to clients to tell other clients or inquiries to be like, wow, she is really expensive. She's way more expensive than anyone else. Like in their brain, automatically they're going to go, why is that? Like we ought, whether it's true or not, like I'm probably not the best in my area, but being the most expensive, it automatically tells something to a potential client that there's like this tiny bug that there's a reason for that. You know, like there's a reason like Louis Vuitton bags are not the best quality, but why are they so much more expensive than a Target bag? And we'll chat more about marketing tomorrow and pricing products, all of that stuff. So we can get more into that stuff, but we really want you guys to think about like, what do your current images say about your brand? What do you want them to say? What do you need to change to get from there to there? And what things can you do to create that consistency? And if you're struggling with that, do what I said and grab those, grab a couple images from different sessions that like you absolutely loved and grab some images from the session that you put off editing for two weeks because it just drains your like creative spirit and then find the similarities between those. Like, what do you not want to photograph anymore? What do you really want to photograph more? Mm -hmm. And then start like working on like a on a branding board, you know, draw your colors. There's got to be some similar tones from, you know, multiple sessions that you really loved. So start looking at that and really focusing on like bringing your brand together. So it's super cohesive. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Thank you all so much. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you guys. Bye guys. Bye. Bye. I know that was a lot to take in, but I promise with the knowledge shared today and the guide that we provided, you can take your time to work through the branding and create a motherhood photography business that you love. Please come back here tomorrow as we take on part two of Blueprint. This one's all about marketing. We'll be chatting about websites, social media, email newsletters, and so much more. And once again, if you've not signed up for Blueprint and you're listening between the dates of October 23rd and October 25th, there's still time to join us. Go to themotherhoodanthology.com and click sign me up at the bottom of the homepage next to the word blueprint. I'll meet you back here tomorrow, same place, same time, or whenever it's convenient for you. So from Ireland's to yours, until tomorrow, friends.